I was on a, a plane flight uh, with an NFL football player. Name's Jack. And I, I, uh, I didn't know who he was because we were forced to wear masks, but I saw him reading his Bible. And I go, I just said this one comment to him. I go, you know, a man whose Bible's falling apart is a sign that his life usually isn't because his Bible is dog-eared. He goes, I like that. I'm using that. And I go, I, I, and we started talking. I got to know him. And uh, I was on his radio program this last week. He interviewed me. We became friends. And he's just a sweet brother. And, and I was thinking about, you know, as we pass out these Bibles, especially in a world where we're dealing with censorship and wondering what's true, what isn't, and, and all the things that we've been in, in, enduring. And, and I have to say, some people who I adore and trust and, and so appreciate, um, you know, they send me stuff. And, and I, I've actually, on two occasions, I've taken the bait. I've, I've used what they sent me on the live stream only to be, you know, ridiculed and have to apologize and retract it because it was wrong. And I'm thinking, I... I thought I could trust you, that you'd done your homework. That you, I've said it over and over again. Don't send me anything that you haven't verified. And, and we've all become suckers. The, the right lies to us and the left lies to us. And, and, and they try to appeal to those things that, that we're easily beset by. And they just throw us stuff. And, and there's just some, you know, troll out on the internet just playing you. And you're like, oh, oh got to send that to Rob. <laughs> Stop. Do your homework. Study to show yourself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Whatever things are true, meditate on those things. Search them out. We have to operate in truth, but the, the comfort I receive it, more than anything else, no matter how hectic, no matter the, the circumstances we're under, the pressures we're facing, the minute I open the Bible, there's just something about that that just brings a peace and a settled calm I like to, to the best of my ability, read, as I've done for a long time throughout my life, either a reading out of both the, the Psalms and the Proverbs, or one or the other, or both. I, I just call it wisdom and praise. And then I'll do the readings, but I, I just find that it calms and quiets my soul. I, I've often said it's the only book in the world. We don't read it, it reads us. And, and you've been given it. Now, maybe, you know, you, you may not be a follower of Christ, but I'll tell you something. Now, there are parts of the Bible, you're going to get through the begots and, you know, so-and-so begot so-and-so, and you're like, and, and I, I get that. But truly, even, even in that, like, what appears in its initial reading to be just a cure to insomnia, it is not. You go deeper, you're like, whoa, there's a reason for those names. And it blows you away because then you see the cross-reference in another section of Scripture, and, and you, you're just, you're mesmerized. You may not be there yet. But trust me, the more time you invest in that, the more excited you become. And faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. 66 books of the Bible, and I, I, I promise you, what you're holding in your hand is true, cover to cover. People dismiss it, they want to burn it, they want to get rid of it. Every great culture has been developed as a result of it. And the freedom you've enjoyed in this nation for 244 years came from that understanding. The Mayflower Compact, you read it. The ones who came over in this... Protestant Reformation and this understanding of a representative form of government, a republic, existed long before we ever had it in the wilderness when Jethro said to Moses, appoint godly men who are not covetous who love the law over thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. And then there was a constitution that was attached to it with the constitution was the Decalogue. And here we are, our founders understood that, they put, put it together. And you're now in a nation that has experienced and, and enjoyed more freedom 
than any other nation in the history of the world. And we're on a precip right now. And the only way that they can take away your liberty and your freedom is to make you think that you aren't who God says you are. You've been created in his image and you've been created free. And you have rights given to you by him. And no man will enslave you. But you must be vigilant. You must understand how it works. You must not allow anyone to lie to you and cheat you. You must study. So read your Bible. Teach your kids. I was, I was with a group of folks yesterday in Santa Barbara talking about freedom and liberty and it was a, a wonderful group, gathering of folks but I challenged them and I don't know that I was real popular. It didn't seem like they responded real well and, and I, I, I'm not sure why. And I was the last speaker. They were probably tired. But I said, you all love liberty and they all cheered and I said, yeah, but I don't think you understand what it's gonna cost you. Only one in nine Americans fought in the Revolutionary War. Even the story of Exodus, they, they cried out to God for freedom and then God sent Moses. Moses contends with Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, who's God that I should obey him? Doubles the brick output and reduces the materials and the people who were crying for freedom complained to Moses instead of complaining to Pharaoh. People want freedom, they just don't want to pay for it. They don't want to work for it. And we're watching as all of us are bowing our knee to Baal in one way or another as they're chipping away and causing us to not realize who we are. And then the minute you open that book, you start to realize who you are. You are a new creature in Christ. You're more than conquerors. Don't, no man will enslave you. One man in God constitutes a majority. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I told those folks, courage isn't the absence of fear, but it's the presence of Christ in the midst of the struggle and he brings you a peace and peace isn't the absence of conflict it's the presence of Christ in the midst of the conflict and I gave that to them and I share that with you because as God was putting this message and I'm grateful for the teaching that Pastor Rick did last night on Balaam's prophecy and I'm glad that the Lord took me to this passage because it's one that I've been reading and it, and it really triggered for me and I don't have the clicker I don't know where it is but that's alright it's one that uh, triggered for me probably my second favorite apostle. I'm so blessed by this man. I, I, I saw this passage in, in John 11 and I was blown away by it. I, I think he's been cheated. He's, uh, he's been maligned. Kind of, it, it bothers me. I, I don't like the way the world views this apostle. I'm not talking about Judas. He's a son of the devil. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not thrilled about that guy. But I think second only to Judas. Is it up there? Did I leave it somewhere? Hmm? Okay. Poor Micah. He has to, everyone's looking at him, so I'll just wait. <laughs> Hopefully the stress test on the thing, we don't know where it is. Okay. Don't worry. Well, I don't know. I, I, I hit it. That's your job to find it. It's like Easter. <laughs> we didn't do an Easter egg hunt. That's your job. I, I, you know the, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's probably in my office, my bad. Those poor guys. Uh, but, but second only to Judas, this one has been maligned throughout history. Um, and and it's, it's the name that everyone tends to mess with him. Names are funny things. Um, what's the, the dad joke? 
the, the, what did the drummer who had twin, twin girls name his girls? Anna one, Anna two. <laughs> that's, that's stupid. <laughs> Na- names are, names are, um, names are interesting. These are real names. Check, check this slide out right here. Lieutenant Les McBurney. <laughs> That's kind of a cool name for a firefighter, don't you think? <laughs> this is an analyst. This next one, take a look at her name. Crystal Ball. <laughs> now, um, the one I'm about to show you, it's interesting, this fellow's from Pakistan, and, and he, you wonder if he has any friends at all. Take a look. Jay, Jay Leno used to do these engagement uh, notices where they put him in the newspaper and the two families that would get together and the names together. Uh, and, and then there, I, I put it together with another picture of, um, uh, of the meat manager at a supermarket. So these are two funny ones. Look at the names on this one. Coke. <laughs> Brad Slaughter, meat manager. And this is from England. These are just some quirky names in England that they pulled off the register. Disaster, loud and clear. Hazelnut. I'm a kettle. I'm a kettle. And then uh, Criss Cross, that one's fun. Phil Hole. Dwayne Pipe. Yeah, huh? Well, that, that brings me to a, a tragic name, and, and just by a picture, you're going to know who I'm speaking of. Look at the picture. Who is it? You said it. Who was it? Yeah, show him. Doubting Thomas. He's been gypped. I like this guy. I think this church is filled with folks like him. I really like this guy. He's got chutzpah. He's brave, he's fearless, and I think he's been cheated with that name. We'll take a look at it. Would you stand for the reading of the word of the Lord? John chapter 11, I'll read out loud. You can follow along silently. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, in the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was... It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and are you going there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. 
These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I might wake him up. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he's going to get better. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who's called the twin, it's Didymus in Greek, and we don't, I'll explain that momentarily. Then Thomas, who's called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. <laughs> who's with me? Let's go die. Now, let's see what the Lord has to say. Lord, thank you for your word. We ask that you lead us into all truth. I thank you for Thomas. Great cloud of witnesses and Thomas. And, and I know that our brothers and sisters who've gone before, as I've seen many depictions throughout scripture and an illustration of heaven, I, I know that, that they know what we're up to and what we're about. And I just, Thomas, in, in the presence of this congregation and in a world that has caused your name to reflect doubt, I just want to declare how thankful I am to you and your testimony that you are brave. And, and your proclamation and your courage has blessed my life. And so, Lord, we ask that you would give us insight into this testimony of your word through Thomas's life. We thank you, God, and we ask your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a seat, relax, take a load off. Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. What a fearless statement. And you put it into context with John 11. In John 11, Jesus heals a guy and they kick him out and disfellowship from the community. And then they seek to stone Jesus and kill him. They're out to kill him. They know that. He's, he's had to flee Jerusalem. And now he's going back in. They know what awaits him. Everyone knows they're out to kill Jesus and they're all associated. And these disciples are looking at each other going, why would we go back in for a dead guy? And Thomas just looks at him and says, the Lord's going. Let us also go that we may die with him. That's a pretty profound statement. I think of uh, folks that are here. And as I was putting this message together, there were two ladies that were on my mind. I wouldn't say that they're women of faith. They certainly didn't come here because they're professing Christ, but they, they came because they love freedom. They're like the Thomases of the world. In, in the midst of this oppression and this censorship and this, this misery, they show up in the church and they look around at these super spreaders and they're like, let's also go to that church and we'll die with them. Because they love freedom. 
They don't know the source, but they love freedom. And they're intrigued by the fearlessness of this room because they're fearless women. We'll go there and we'll die with them. It doesn't matter who they're singing to. It doesn't matter what scriptures they're reading. These people are free and I want to be a part of that. That's how I met them. They're brave, just like Thomas. And those are just two I can depict that, that it inspired me. But I know the room's filled with a number of folks that you came here not because you're Christians or you left your church. You came because you, you want life normal again. And you're like, I'll come here and, and I don't care, I'll die with them. My favorite was that guy holding up that sign on the day we opened up, that atheist who said it took this kind of SHI to get this atheist to church. This room's filled with Thomases like that. They love freedom. They love, they love liberty. And they just, they don't know everything. But they're fearless. I was inspired as I was putting this message together. And my, my wife said goodnight last night. And I, I was just pondering what God wanted to say. And, and I was up kind of late. And, and I... I'd watched a movie with my son that I hadn't seen in a number of years. He had never seen it. Michelle and, and Danny and I watched it. It's, it's called The Kingdom. It's a little bit violent. Some of you are like, oh, what's the pastor doing? Give it a rest. That doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, don't watch it. I did. All things are permissible. Not all things are profitable. Judge me, but listen, be careful. Um, <laughs> and, and there was a, a line in the movie with the FBI director as he's defending his FBI agents who are on the ground investigating this terrorist attack, and, and uh, he's threatening him with his job, and he says, you better pull those guys out. You don't understand what this is going to do, and we're going to have you, and we're going to have you fired, and blah, blah, blah. And he turns, and, 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 and he's playing Robert Grace, who is, or he's playing Robert Jenkins, who's supposed to be the FBI director, his part. And I actually, he uses a quote and it's legend. I couldn't confirm the quote from General Westmoreland, who was the general over uh, the U.S. troops in Vietnam, especially during the Tet Offensive. And by the way, the, the peace talks began 53 years ago, I think this day, um, to, after the Tet Offensive, where it was, it was the beginning of the end for uh, South Vietnam. It, it's, it's where America lost its heart. And they had had a great victory. The Tet Offensive was vile. We lost troops. But the North Vietnamese were devastated. They lost half of their regular army. They were wiped out. It was a matter of time. But the attrition, the, what, what the North Vietnamese, the communists had gained, was the psychological advantage over the American people. And we gave up. And, and though Westmoreland may have, and, and, and we may have lost Vietnam, we stopped the dominoes from tumbling with the exception of Cambodia that communism wouldn't devastate Asia. And yet they, they fought so valiantly. And, and this is the legendary statement that he invokes of Westmoreland when he's being threatened to lose his job. He says, you know, Westmoreland made all of us officers write our own obituaries during Tet when we thought the Viet Cong were going to end it, end it all right there. And once we clued into the fact that life is finite, the thought of losing it didn't scare us anymore. 
The end comes no matter what. The only thing that matters is how do you want to go out, on your feet or on your knees? And I bring that lesson to this job. I act knowing that someday this job will end no matter what. You should do the same. He's just basically saying, I'm not afraid to die. And, and you, you guys know, and I shared this with the folks yesterday, that after Michelle and I had taken inventory of everything we could lose, and still do, and, 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 and now, now the minions of, of this, this triumvirate, supervisory triumvirate, they're sending out their minions to try to threaten us with a loss of tax-exempt status, and, and they're, they're, they're trying to demoralize us. They don't understand. That just, that inspires me. <laughs> care if they own the press. I don't care if they've got their minions threatening tax-exempt status. I, I've already given it up. My obituary's written. Liberty means everything. Everything. Because if you take away the ability to speak truth and you impose censorship and you silence people from worshiping the living God, you're on the wrong side of history. And, and, and at this point, we've counted the cost. And the amazing thing is, when you have made an inventory of everything you're going to lose, and you surrender it, fear is gone. It's gone. And now whatever they do to threaten only inspires. It's, it's, it's very, very exciting. <laughs> and that's why I love Thomas. And that's why I love the Thomases in the church, similar to the two ladies I spoke of, let's all go to that church and let's die with them. They don't know the Lord as their savior, maybe. And this is by their own admission. But they love freedom. We know the why and what we do. And, and Christians around the country who declare Christ to be the king, folded like a cheap suit, churches shuttered, cowards bowing to tyranny, watching as Americans are being enslaved by this tyranny, and they're complicit. And yet, non-believers come into a church and say, let's go there, we'll die with them. Count us in the mix. Give us a citation. Arrest us. I want to be a part of that. I know the why and what I do. What's their why? Their why is liberty, an idea. But they don't know the source of that. I think they do. But the ones who do know the Lord, they're counted with the cowards. That's why I love Thomas. I think the world got it wrong. The story begins in John chapter 20 where he obtained this awful name. Thomas called the twin was one of 12. And by the way, we don't know if he was a fraternal twin or an identical twin or if he was a twin at all. Legend has it or church history has it that he was identical, he was similar to Jesus. He was kind of like a body double. And he's, he's kind of like, well, they think I'm him, so we might as well go, I'll die. 
Either way, let's go. And, ah. and we don't know who his twin was because even when they give the list of the disciples, they move his name around. They don't put them together like brothers and they don't call them brothers like they do with the other disciples. But he's a twin. We don't know why. It's interesting. And so he wasn't with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas was with them and Jesus came in the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. He said, I won't believe unless I can touch his wounds. And that's why they called him Doubting Thomas. Well, that's just a jip. That's, that's, that's not it at all. I'll show you. I mean, as that passage continues, Jesus said to Thomas, reach your finger in here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. My Lord and my God. And the one that inspired is the one I read this morning. Let us also go that we may die with him. Let us also go that we might die with him. This is the first statement of him. He knew that everyone was out to kill him. They all knew that they had targets on their back. And he was brave. Jesus says, unless a man is willing to pick up his cross and follow me, and die to himself. Thomas wasn't just a hearer of the word, he was a doer. The Lord says, I, I desire obedience more than sacrifice. The, the obediently brave are few and far between. That's why I'm so blessed by Cameron being here. I just... The pushback you face, everyone wants to avoid conflict. We don't, we don't want to be in the mix. But Thomas was like, no, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm with him. I'll die with him. I'm all in. Some of the biggest support I've had is from those who don't profess Christ as their savior business owners. Folks who've watched their community devastated. Churches being filled with people who wouldn't normally darken the doors of a church because they're just simply saying, I'll go to that place. I'm willing to die with those folks. I may not agree with what they're, who they're worshiping or what they're doing, but, but I love that they love freedom. That's Thomas. Here's another, and there's only four in the scriptures, but this is another picture of Thomas, which is one of the most profound. Jesus is saying to the disciples in one of the most profound passages of scripture, he says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and 
prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And here's Thomas. I love this guy. Thomas said to him, Lord, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. <laughs> that's not what it says there, but that's how I hear it. My weird brain. Actually, in context, Thomas said to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And then Jesus declares what C.S. Lewis called the trilemma of God, the most profound declaration of the deity of Christ ever uttered. And he said these words, and all mankind, however they believe Jesus, who they think him to be, his own personal autobiographical statement dispels any question of who he's saying he is when he declares by Thomas's inquiry when he says, Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And the structure of the statement in the Greek is I and no other exclusive you want to know the way? I'm the way. And if you doubt it, I want you to know something. I'm the truth. And more than that, I'm the life. You've been living for a lot of things, and liberty's a good one. But there's more to life than an ideal. Everyone's going to have an obituary. Because we're not going to live forever. Death is a great equalizer. We whistle past the graveyard. I, I look at this, the insanity of, of the fear that has paralyzed the nation. Because you think you're going to live forever. Double masks. I love what Dr. Judy said. We're not plants. We don't know how to photosynthesize. We don't know what to do with carbon dioxide. We breathe oxygen. And, and watching people exercise with double mass. I'm like, are, are you crazy? In our county, 99% plus survival rate. And yet, walking around paralyzed by fear. And, and, and the fear is, you're so afraid of Dying that you're not living. And Jesus is the life. He's the why in what we do. I'm immortal until God's done with me. You don't love your neighbor. Yes, I do. I've already explained that. I love the abuser who've been quarantined with the abusers and, the, and less than, and less, more children have drowned in bathtubs than have died of COVID in California. Yet their schools have been shuttered. I love those kids. I want them to be able to go to school and enjoy the friendships and, and be kids. I'm, I'm, I'm watching as the suicide rate and, 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 and the opioid overdoses are astronomical. And they've shuttered the two mandated reporters for abuse, schools and churches. They're complicit. And they have no data to justify it. Because we asked for it. 120 documents. They didn't give us one. They know. 
And they're doing this to us. And everybody's afraid. But the why and what we do is Jesus. Because I don't have a spirit of fear. I know where I'm going. I've written my obituary. I don't know the day, but it can be today. It can be tomorrow. It can be 20, 30 years. I don't care. Minutes. Whatever. I don't care. I'm ready. I, I'm not holding on too tight. It's, it's, it, this is a hotel room. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going home soon. I'm passing through. You don't hang stuff on the wall in a hotel room. You don't carry all your possessions. If you do, you need help. <laughs> I'm storing my treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy. Thieves will not break in and steal. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on eternity because I know it exists because I know the truth. And, and I know that this concept of liberty is not man's idea because the, the lion's share, the majority, the, the overwhelming majority of evidence is that every time that man has been in charge of government, he's enslaved humanity. Yeah. Oligarchies. That's what history, and, and America after 244 years of, of the most freedom any nation ever conceived on the earth has ever enjoyed. We are on the precip of losing this and being put in the ash heap of history with another nation that has turned itself to allowing the few to rule the many. We're not educating our children on what it means to be free. We don't know the articles of the Constitution. We don't know the amendments. We don't know this concept of the gift we've been given of liberty. But the Thomases who, who have come didn't learn any of it from the church. Church abandoned that a long time ago. They have truncated the gospel that you raise your hand. God bless you, I see your hand. And that's the end of their work. They have relegated the law of God to simply saying it's there to show you you can't keep it so you need to be saved by grace instead of realizing that the moral law gives a civil law. They don't want to contend because that makes their job too hard to understand the political process and the ecclesia, the public square and to educate their congregations on what it means to be free. They just run from it and put up a black tile and hope that they find fellow favor on social media. While they are complicit with the tyranny that enslaves humanity that creates in our state the largest homelessness, the largest poverty of any state in the union. But these folks learned of liberty outside the church and they've come to the church because they've seen a church now putting it together and those are the Thomases and then as we come towards the end here I love this passage because Mary Magdalene was the first one to the tomb none of the disciples were there she got there when it was still dark and saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved. And this is John, by the way. He's writing it about himself, and I love what he says here. And he said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they've laid him. And Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, John, they were going to the tomb. So they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter. John's going, I just want you to know I beat him. <laughs> couldn't run. I mean, if a bear was after us, Peter would be eaten. So John gets to the tomb first, 
Stooping down, John looked in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, followed him, went into the tomb, saw the linen clothes lying there, and the handkerchief that had been uh, around Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but uh, clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. And then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and look at this, and he saw and believed. He saw and believed. All of them needed this, not just Thomas. And this is the one that upsets me. The same evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came in and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, and he's resurrected, and he appears to them as they're all in there scared to death. And Jesus says to them, peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. See, look, see, look. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you. As the Father sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So they're huddled in this room, scared to death. Christ comes in, says, peace be with you. The terrors were still out there. The conflict was still out there. But they had a peace that surpassed all understanding. The Lord was with them in the midst of the conflict. They were scared. They were frightened. They were huddled. And then this portion. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. And so he said to them, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. And they said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to them, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas wasn't with them when they were all huddled in their pile of fear. Thomas didn't know fear. He may have been the lookalike of Jesus, but it didn't matter. He wasn't cowering in a room, scared of what they do. He was walking through the street saying, do your best. I've already written my obituary. I gave it up the day I said we're going into Jerusalem with the Lord. He wasn't there because he was fearless. They were cowering and afraid. They needed witness. The Lord said, look at my side, look at my hands. And they came to Thomas and they said, we've seen him. And Thomas looks at his compatriots. He goes, I don't believe you. You guys are afraid. Why would, no. You guys have been cowering in that room. I won't believe a word you're saying till I can see it for myself. Your testimony 
is of question. But he still stayed with them eight days. And then the Lord appears. And in case you don't get this, this passage of scripture, when Thomas says, my Lord and my God. It's the most significant statement uttered in the gospel of John because it declares the deity of Christ. You don't hear any of the other disciples say that. Folks come to this church and like Thomas, they say, let us go that we might die with him. And they sit through the services and they watch us sing. And they love the freedom and they hear the words and they get a Bible when it's handed to them and they read and they're polite and they're kind and they participate and they serve. But they look around as their businesses are being challenged and they're wondering where the Christians are. They're wondering how this can be done and why other churches aren't standing for truth. And then they begin to read the words of the Lord. They begin to see others who are of courage. And they see the joy and the fearlessness. And they question the why in their own life. Why do I do what I do? And then they come to the trilemma of, of Thomas's understanding when he said, Lord, I don't have a clue where you're going or even how to get there. Bless you guys. The Lord hears you. He knows that you're struggling in the confusion of, the, of it all and he just looks at you and he says, it's really simple. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. There's no other way. It's exclusive. It's absolute. And in a world that is abandoning absolutes for the sake of deception and enslavement, Christ is declaring himself to be true so that you would know that truth and that truth would set you free. And he says, I am that truth. I'm the way. And more importantly, I'm the life. There's more than just fighting for liberty. There's a purpose beyond. Your life matters. You're my child. You've been created in my image. I want you to be free and I want you to know who I am. Thomas listened. He listened. And then it all came down. And they all ran like frightened lemmings. And Thomas had already surrendered his life. He'd already written his obituary. He was fearless. I think about Dr. Simone Gold. 
what they've taken from her. She's, she's Jewish. She's here. She's like a Thomas. She loves freedom. It's costing her everything. She hasn't been raised with the Messiah knowing Jesus as all of us have. She wonders why the church doesn't see that. And then the Lord says clearly to Thomas, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Come to me. If you're burdened and heavy laden, I want to give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden's light. I want you to be in eternity with me. I don't want you to hold on too tight to this hotel room. I got a place for you. I got you in mind. I know your decorating style. <laughs> and then he looks and he says, Lord, you appeared to the cowards. And it wasn't a doubt on my part. I just didn't believe them. I've always believed you. I wanted to see for myself. I wasn't cowering in that room. And the Lord says, Thomas, you can even touch the wound. Thomas doesn't say he did it. It just says he makes a five-word proclamation. My Lord and my God. That's a life changer. I want that for the Thomases in this room. I want them to be blessed and rewarded for their bravery. That the Lord is speaking directly to you and availing himself and he's saying, I'm here. Let me be the why in what you do. I know all of them called me Lord and they ran like frightened children. But not you, Thomas. We all say Lord, but we submit to an earthly deity. He's my, 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 my Lord, and he hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but I wear that mask. I get in the car when I leave the church, I put it on, and I drive. Because <laughs> I'm afraid of what they'll do. Thomas isn't afraid. He's walking in without a mask. And the Lord says, I... I I not only want to be your Lord, I want to be your God. I want to be the why in what you do. There's more to life than liberty. There's a relationship with the source of liberty, the living God. It's a hard one to transition. But I love this passage because he's not doubting Thomas. He's fearless. He's precious. Declarative Thomas. I've been so inspired by many who haven't professed faith in Christ who are here. And the greatest gift I can give you 
in gratitude. Is to plead with you. That the Lord would be your savior. What more do you need? We're afraid of family, afraid of a thousand things. He'll wait until you get the evidence you need. But I don't think it has anything to do with evidence. He just wants to be the why in what you do. My Lord and my God. Thank you, Thomas. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I assume. Lord, I, I thank you for the testimony of Thomas, the fearlessness of this man, the idea that he's willing to die for you when the others would cower and hide. He would ask the question everyone's thinking, that, but that no one wants to ask. Lord, I have no idea where you're going or how to get there. He's not doubting Thomas. He's honest, Thomas. And Lord, he did it all without that peace that the rest of them had. And you gave that to him. In the midst of the conflict, your presence was with him. Peace I leave, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. Thomas knew this. He missed it, but he needed it. And then Lord, you said to him, my peace be with you, Thomas. And I am so grateful, Thomas, that you uttered those words, my Lord and my God. The significance of that statement to declare that Jesus is God. Thank you, Lord. You're declarative, Thomas, not doubting Thomas. The greatest statement of declaration that the scriptures profess and the deity of Christ came from a man who was brave. Lord, thank you for the men and women who have come and have joined arms with us in this fight for liberty. And I pray, Lord, that they would come to realize that you are the why in what they do. May they utter those five words, my Lord and my God. Thank you that you have availed yourself to us this day and revealed clearly who you are. And we love you, Jesus. Bless those who have come to you and encourage them and let them know their home and that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life as they have professed you as their Lord and Savior. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.